You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Since we last spoke, the New York Yankees have played two of their 10 consecutive cupcakey games every day. It's a must win now. When we began the stretch, the Yanks were slightly out of the playoff picture. Two days later, they've got two wins despite dire straits on Monday against the Twins and a bit of a blowout that was less of a blowout than it should have been Tuesday against the Orioles. 2-0 is 2-0, though, and they are now tied officially for the top wildcard spot and literally one percentage point ahead of the Boston Red Sox. But that does not mean we're out of the woods, and that does not mean we have evaded trouble. Sal Romano forced to roll his Chapman into Tuesday's game. Bad Aaron Boone bullpen management got us somewhere we did not want to be in game one of a three-game set against the Orioles. The Yanks had to climb out of a huge hole to beat the Twins. And Glaber Torres still, even at second base, does not look like a major league baseball player. As the great Norm McDonald once said, happy birthday, Jesus. Hope you like crap. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with my mailbag question. My mailbag question will be more than happy to answer that. Thomas Carinante, that Norm line referred to the Kenny G Christmas album, but as far as I'm concerned, it refers to anybody who got a Glaber Torres jersey for Christmas last year. Oh, God. Glaber, poor Glaber, man. He talked before the game about his struggles at shortstop. Um, and feeling the pressure and how all he just wants to do is contribute to a winning Yankees team and that, you know, all the players on the Yankees do feel pressure because that's just what inherently comes with the job. Then he botches that grounder at second, which was an easy double play ball um, and rifles it at Gio Rochelle, who's trying to cover second and he drops the ball. Absolute the worst play of the year. I just want to raise my hand and really say bad. that I, I have never reacted so viscerally in my body to a single play 
because I slept through the Miguel Andujar thrown away grounder at Fenway in 2018 because mm. I put myself to bed because I just knew that I didn't want to watch that. <laughs> this botched double play, botched twice in a two-second span in the most critical moment of the game against the 46-win Baltimore Orioles really, really got me. I got real chills. Yeah, because look, that's the stuff we're talking about, guys. It happened on Sunday night. He botched the easy grounder that led to a three-run homer. And now you're talking about you just want an easy win. You want to coast against the Orioles. You don't want to have to worry. You don't want to have to run pitch counts up. And then an error like that, which could really, really help things out, extends the inning, just doesn't make it as easy as easy as it should be. But that's the that's the the Yankees motto in 2021. We will not make things as easy as they should be. Uh, shouldn't have had to use Chapman in this game. Like you said, not sure. Would love to know that. I want an explanation about just one thing. One thing that's confusing this year. There's a lot of confusing things. I haven't gotten an explanation on anything. Why can't we leave Michael King in for one more inning? He's at 47 pitches through three. He was looking great. Get the guy's confidence up. Let him shut the door on the game. The whole point of his existence is for the length out of the bullpen. Instead, we have to go to Sal Romano, who fucked things up last week and fucked things up again this week. Uh, obviously, not the worst thing in the world, but you don't want to have to use a role this Chapman. You don't want to have to give him any more mileage on his on, on his odometer than he needs to have at this point because he hasn't looked good for the better part of this entire season. Um, nonetheless, 7-2 win. Yankees are 2-0. In this 10-game stretch, or this, what, nine-game? No, 10-game stretch where they literally probably, I'm going to, I'm up in the stakes. Now that you win the first two, it's got to, you got to go nine and one. You just simply have to. Uh, Cortez on the mound tonight against John Means. Um, Not the best matchup in the world, but another winnable matchup. Yankees just have to win the winnable ones. Two more games against the O's, three against Cleveland, three against Texas before you head to Fenway and Toronto. You got to take advantage here. We can't stress it enough, but... What are we going to do with Glaber Torres, man? What what's what are we going to do? What should we do? I don't know. The discussion is tough. It's tense. People at each other's throats, giving him a lot of grief on Twitter, which you have. I mean, you can't disagree with it. But what's the plan here? You move him off shortstop, which that's kind of that's that's it should have been done at the trade deadline. If you're going to do it, you know, I think this is screwing with his confidence even more. You want to talk about ruining a player. The Yankees have played a big, big role in ruining Glaber Torres, in my opinion, not because they moved him to shortstop, but because they kept him at shortstop longer than they should have. Because in the off season, Brian Cashman said, he's probably not more of a shortstop than he is a second baseman. Didn't and he really was out of shape. Him. And he was out of shape. Didn't give him a vote of confidence. Really just talk shit on him. Uh, if we're if we're going to be blunt, you don't really say that about a young guy who's been a two-time All-Star for you in three seasons. Um, and uh, look, 2020 was not a fair shake for Gleyber Torres. You don't give somebody a 42-game sample size at shortstop to determine if they're the future of the position. We all saw how Didi Gregorius' uh, initial... Uh, t- tenure at the position went when he was filling in for Derek Jeter wasn't great made a lot of errors really wasn't just wasn't what anybody was expecting then he turned it around and became one of the better players on the team for for his entire run but to give to kind of shit talk labor Torres in that manner in the offseason to I guess think it's going to motivate him it clearly didn't and then to not diagnose properly before the trade deadline and be like look this isn't working like we gave him over 100 games now. I think at that point, what was it? It was like 100 and it was like 110 games or something mm, like yep. that's probably enough to determine whether or not the guy can feel the position. He didn't. He It's not like he was ping ponging between the I.L. He was he had very consistent playing time up until he actually hit the I.L. in August. 
Yankees should have made the decision then to give him two months at second base to kind of more so um, cement himself there. And also, also give time for the other guys who are now going to be jumping all around the infield. If this is the plan you're going for, instead you do it with two and a half weeks left in the season. You're, you're going to tell me that's not going to fuck with labor towards his head because now he just, he just upended the entire infield. Play. He in his head thinks, Oh great. Like I couldn't perform now. The entire infield plan has been upended because of me. Now we have a very important two and a half week stretch. That's going to determine our entire season. Like uh, just mismanagement all around. I understand he is to blame. He hasn't been good. His, Poor play in the field has affected his his uh, his offense, and there's no denying that. But just another botch job by the Yankees. Like this, just could have been handled so much easier uh, six weeks ago, and they they don't make anything easy. Once again, the, the motto continues. <laughs> I, this does. Yeah. It's, it's so. I mean, the Glaber situation is so bad. Two years ago, he was in the upper echelon with Ronald Acuna Jr. and Juan Soto. Like, yeah. don't forget where we came from here. This isn't like this isn't like a mid seventies top. This isn't Jeter Downs having a bad year at AAA this year. This is like somebody who was supposed to be, uh, you know, a future face of Major League Base. The, the second baseman shortstop of the New York Yankees, hitting thirty eight home runs in a season at the age of twenty two. I mean. Come on. Yeah. And we we weren't told the ball was going to change, of course. And at the time, it was hilarious to watch him hit so many home runs off the Orioles. I think it was 13 and 18 games. But the Orioles are in baseball. So if you're going to if you're going to ding Glaber for ripping them apart, ding Devers, ding J.D. Martinez, who I know went yardy against Baltimore a thousand times in 2018, as I recall very specifically um don't look that up no everybody should it, it's true jd martinez hits a ridiculous number of home runs against the o's so does devers so it's like not you know at the time it was easy to be like okay but so you, you know i know you are but what am i but then 2020 is a season unlike anything we've ever seen before so glaber only hits three home runs in two months everybody can have a bad two months and once the playoffs rolled around he was right back at it so there was really no you know the discussion lasted a month and a half the Yankees struggled to make the playoffs Glaber put on glasses. He had a walk off against the Orioles. Then they made the postseason, made it a little further than their record indicated they should. And again, he was nails in October. So, mm -hmm. you know, you I put Glaber's 2019 ALCS up against anybody. It's one of the best playoffs years I've seen a Yankee have, certainly in the last decade, you know, back to 2009 unequivocally. He was amazing. Um, so, you know, I don't think anybody foresaw a season this bad from Glaber Torres. He has looked disaffected. He has looked disinterested. Um, I think, you know, you are right. The time to give up on him at shortstop was a few months ago. Trevor Story was there for the taking. Mm -hmm. Trevor Story in the wake of not being traded by the Rockies was basically like, what are we doing here? Why am I still on the Colorado Rockies? Like he could have been had for a song. He would have cost less than Gallo and Rizzo. Two players whose salaries ended up not being absorbed by the Yankees in any way. The Yankees also shed salary by trading Luis Sessa, one of the underrated stupid moves of the millennium because they now are like three relievers short. They could have had Luis Sessa. They gave him a way to save money they didn't use. They could have used that money on Trevor Story, one of the most insane developments of, of the entire deadline. And, and that's a whole separate podcast uh, that no one's going to want to listen to. That's that's like a mini-sode on Thursday, the Why is Luis Sessa on the Cincinnati Reds podcast. But I, after all of that, after all of that screaming and all my consternation and, and watching that failed double play over and over again yesterday, I still don't want to dump Glaber Torres. No. Because... There is somebody within that body who 
had, you know, the 2020 season, no rocket balls, the, the 2020 playoffs, no rocket balls, the 2019 playoffs, honestly, probably no rocket balls. Um, and, and regardless, the playoffs are a different animal. And he proved uh, beyond a shadow of doubt that he was able to handle that pressure. Um, you know, you look up and down uh, the the line scores that Torres has provided us the past several years. This year has been pathetic. He has 0.3 war. The, the, you know, there's no defending that. But 417 in the ALDS against Minnesota, 280 with two homers in the six-game ALCS against Houston, 714 in the wildcard series last year against Cleveland, 313 with a bomb in the pivotal game four in the DS against the Rays. Uh, he has never hit below 300. Sorry, that's not true at all because I just said he hit 280, but he's never <laughs> hit below 280 in a playoff series, a, a full playoff series, 308, 417, 287, 14, 313. So yeah, that's the guy player. we're working with. He's not a shortstop. He might be a second baseman, but people are now talking about, uh, you know, with regard to giving up on him, you know, giving up on him feels just as stupid as trading Luke Voigt for spare parts to me. Um, the more good players you have, the better. It sounds elementary. It's obvious. Um, and this brings us to 2008 with Robinson Cano. When 25-year-old Robinson Cano hit 271 with a 305 OBP, 410 slugging, 715 OPS, and 86 OPS plus in a full season in 2008, 159 games played. 14 homers, 72 RBI, right? That's bad. That's real bad. And he was playing second and all pressure was off. And he was coming off a 2007 season where he had 19 bombs and 97 ribs and a 119 OPS plus. He was coming off a 2006 season when he hit 15 homers, 78 ribs, 342, 365 OBP, 126 OPS plus. Cano was never really an on-base guy, so you can't judge him from that. But he was coming off a spectacular 2006 season, a solid 07, and then a brutal 08. Why the step back? Not really sure. We consider the 2008 Yankees a modern disaster, but they won 89 games. They had Jason Giambi, Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, and Deki Matsui playing every day. Um, Johnny Damon, good lineup. Plenty of protection there. Obviously, the difference between 08 and 09, they made a button. They made the Mark Teixeira adjustment. They went all in. Cano leveled up between age 25 and 26. The next year, 121 OPS+. plus. After that, never had a total below 133 with the Yankees ever again. Became a different player. MVP finished 17th in 2009 after, again, his career felt like it fell off the tracks in 2008. So I ask you, for me, it's as simple with Glaber as, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. And ask me again after 2022, because if he doesn't make the Robinson Cano style leap, and who knows what Robinson Cano, what substances he was using to facilitate that, I understand. Uh, if he doesn't make a Robinson Cano style leap between 2021 and 2022, then great. Then I'm done. Then you have to cut your losses and cut bait. But as of now, there's no justification for me for dumping Robinson Cano to what? Accommodate Rugnet Odor on the bench? He's not your shortstop. He should be on the team getting plenty of opportunities next year. Yeah, if you look at this at in a greater lens, uh, it, it's one bad, it's one full bad season. It's 153 games at this point when you combine 2020 and this bad. It's, it's been bad. defensively bad. But everybody has bad seasons. You're not going to, aside from the all-time greats, you're not going to, go to any single baseball reference page and not see a couple of egregious years in there, whether it was because of injury, whether it was just because of a regression, whether it was because the player was dealing with mental issues or off the field stuff. We never know what's going on. Um, so yes, I mean, at some point, at, at, not at some point, we, we have to be frustrated with what's happening with Glaber Torres because it's an inexplicable regression. It's happening at the worst possible time because 
the Yankees are tied for uh, in a three-way tie for the wild card and really can't afford any more gaffes and errors or mistakes that we've seen characterize this long stretch of the, the, the first five months of the season. Um, but that's no reason to indict his future um, and then trade him for pennies on the dollar. Cause you're what, nego- what negotiating tactics is Brian Cashman going to have to trade him? None. So you got to make it work. Hopefully this is viewed in that lens where it's like, okay, he's had two really awesome years and then one really bad year. So what, what, what should we do? Um, and maybe he's going to bounce back. I don't know, but uh, getting rid of him, probably not the answer. Um, I think next year, if he's doing this, then you talk about getting rid of him because this can't continue for theoretically the, th- the third year straight, but hate to say it, let's give him a little bit. Let's give him a little bit of a leash and maybe he comes around the homer against the Mets was encouraging. So maybe we see a little bit more of that clean up the defense at second base over these next couple of gimme games and, and we'll see, but let's, let's cool it. The numbers are surprisingly comparable to Cano. Same OPS plus. He's got 86 this year. Yeah. Uh, the OBP is way higher. It just hasn't felt the same because Torres felt in 2018 and 19 like someone who transcended slumps by shortening his swing, slicing line drives to right. He felt clutch proof. He felt like the kind of guy who always could put bat on ball. I wanted him more than Aaron Judge often in 2018 and 19. Yeah. Now that seems absolutely ludicrous. We need that guy back. But again, can't wait forever. Next year's probably it. Make sure to stick around after the break, which we're about to take. The order with which I said that, am I choking like Glaber Torres? Maybe. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk players the Yankees have broken. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call C-Bus C-Town, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice-cold Pepsi right here in C-Bus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi and say here's to O-H-I-O, where Pepsi and life are oh-so-refreshing. Welcome back to the Inkscope Yard podcast. I do want to talk bullpen usage a little bit too, Ugh. because um, you know it, it, it all it all goes hand in hand. The Yankees have obviously broken Jonathan Loizaga in a different way. He's not someone who's had a durable shoulder throughout his major league career. For me, it's the one thing that's going to hold him back when in his quest to be the next Mariano Rivera and the next closer of the New York Yankees. He was overused this year by any metric. Threw sixty six innings way quicker than he should have. Came down with a shoulder issue, has not picked up a baseball yet. It's September 15th. I don't know if we're going to see him for the rest of the year, which is devastating because this bullpen is a disaster without him. So in an effort to fill his spot, Luis Severino is apparently ahead of him in the pecking order now in the rehab process. Domingo Herman was great on Tuesday at AAA. He could be back by the end of the week, reportedly, and not a moment too soon because Garrett Cole, uh, the, the first game of this Orioles series was supposed to be the blowout. They got everybody off their mm-hmm. feet. And it was a 7-2 win. And it wasn't that close. Uh, there were moments when the tide could have turned. It took a couple great pitch performances to stop them from turning. The aforementioned moment when Glaber botched the double play and then botched the flip to Rochelle, and it was terrible. Glaber turned a better double play up the middle on a 3-2 rocket the very next batter. One ball away from Michael King, though, from bases loaded, no outs in a 5-1 game. Mm-hmm. That's different. That's very different than what we saw. We saw a much different ending. Glad we did. But... became 6-1, became 7-1, became 7-1 with one out, nobody on, and two strikes in the ninth. Sal Romano gave up a single, a walk, and a ribby single lined off his hand. So, Aroldis Chapman had to come into this game. 
to relieve Sal Romano to face Cedric Mullins and Ryan Mountcastle with first and second one out in a 7-2 game in the ninth. Struck them both out on seven pitches. Didn't expect that. But whether we got results or not, that doesn't change the fact that Aroldis Chapman had to come into this game that was 7-1 entering the ninth, 7-1 with one out and two strikes in the ninth. And so Chad Green got the day off. Clay Holmes got partial. He, he warmed up in, I believe, the fifth inning of this game. This was, though, Garrett Cole against a guy with a 7-plus ERA. That's a game you have to win, and you have to win by a lot because John Means, Nestor Cortez, Wednesday – Nestor Cortez's numbers are better than John Means on the year. I'm not saying this game's a death sentence, but I'm saying it's it's destined to be closer than Tuesday's game. Then on Thursday, you got Jordan Montgomery against Chris Ellis. The last time we saw that matchup, I'm still not sure who Chris Ellis is, but he exited the game with a one nothing lead. Uh, he was great. That was the game Gallo tied and Chapman blew. Um, but that's, you know, Means a great pitcher. Ellis is a guy who owned the Yankees. But a week ago, uh, those are two games that feel destined to be closer than the one on Tuesday, which was eh, pretty close. And if Boone goes by his typical pitcher usage, Earldis Chapman will not appear in Wednesday's game, even though he only threw those seven pitches in relief of Sal Romano on Tuesday night. Michael King was really good. What yeah. are we, what are we what are we, what are we, what should we expect here? I mean, I mean, for me, you have to use Chapman on Wednesday and then yeah. you have to call it quits on Thursday. And, and that's it just because green's gotten several days off. Now Holmes has gotten, you know, the, the one and a half days off. Joely Rodriguez got the day off. Uh, you, you should be stacked enough for Thursday's game. And, and you are at the point, like we said, where you cannot manage for tomorrow because tomorrow's not guaranteed. Yeah, I just, uh, I just, like I said earlier, I don't know why Michael King couldn't have gone one more inning. Not, it's just you knew when Sal Romano was coming in, it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be a clean inning, and it was all it took was letting the first two runners on, and then it changes the entire complexion of the game because we've seen the Yankees have to sweat out leads like this before, um, and to start off the series against the Orioles, you simply can't be, you can't afford any lapses. I mean, the good news is, is that uh, Licky will be available. Wandy Peralta, Joely Rodriguez, Albert Abreu. So, I mean, he warmed up on, yeah. uh, on Tuesday, too. Unfortunately, he okay. warms up every day. He, he shouldn't yeah. be doing that. Yeah, well, I mean, he doesn't throw hard. So I, I don't know if that's a realistic way to look at things. But if he's just if he's just hanging out there getting loose, uh, I'm not. I view it more of an issue for Clay Holmes, who throws 99 miles an hour. Uh, Licky doesn't seem to be putting that type. Licky is not, doesn't seem to, he's, he's not putting that type of pressure on his arm. Um, Chad green getting the day off. Doesn't really matter to me. Uh, every time he comes in, it's a disaster. He shouldn't be in once again, should not be in, in any high leverage innings for the rest of the way. He should be used as a fire fireman. Um, honestly, I would have brought him in in the six yesterday. Like that's what I would have done. Um, that's, that's, that's his, that should be his role. I mean, obviously King was the right move, but like at this point, that's Chad Green's role. If a pitcher cannot go deep and beyond the fifth inning, he should be coming in for, you know, part of that fifth and the sixth. Um, the, the seventh is the, the farthest I'm willing to go with Chad Green at this point. He should never see the eighth of the ninth inning for the rest of the way. Um, I don't know what ev- more evidence Aaron Boone needs to, uh, to understand that this is not tenable anymore. He's, like we said, given up the second most home runs of any reliever since the start of 2020. That's 
the antithesis of a reliever's job. You cannot be doing that. Even if your ERA is good, even if your whip is good, the home run ball is the death sentence in any outing doesn't really matter. So we need to see a, uh, a, a some sort of a change there. Uh, and this dude, this goes back to the Blue Jay series for me. We talked about those bullpen gaffes there, bringing in Licky with the bases loaded after leaving Luis Heel in for too long. Um, and then uh, on the the next night, what the fuck did he do? Um, didn't bring in who did he bring in? The Sal Romano in a tie game. game. That was the Sal. Yeah, that was Sal Romano in a tie game instead of instead of Wandy or Joelli or who we then cut or Albert like, Abreu. Yeah, yeah. Like, you gotta he, love cutting a guy you just brought into a yeah, tie game in I, a crucial appearance. Yeah, and and then he and then he says after the game he's essentially playing for the tie. Oh, you know I got to save Chad for you know the the tenth. It's like no, dude. Maybe win the fucking game in regulation. Like have some faith in your team. I understand it's hard to have faith in this team, but you can't be playing for. Oh, but what if we go to extras four innings later? No, absolutely wrong mindset. Like you said, cannot be man- cannot be managing now like it's a marathon. It's a sprint. So every decision in real time is going to affect your standing at every point in the in the playoff race. Um, don't like these bullpen decisions. I don't think a role this. Cha- I mean, I'll say it for the millionth time. I don't think a role this Chapman should be the bonafide closer. We talked about the overusage of Loisaga for two innings or coming in in the sixth for whatever reason. Um, he should be more entrenched in eighth, ninth. And if you have to bring in Chapman in the seventh or the eighth, I don't understand why you don't do it. Um, I really don't like I there is, to me. So many other teams have given us this blueprint of you don't really need a you don't really need a, a guy who is the closer. You need a bunch of guys who can get the job done. Look at the Rays. Look at the Dodgers. The Dodgers. Yes. Kenley Jansen this year. Tremendous rebound. But the previous two and a half years or whatever it was, he was not the go. He was not the uh, undisputed ninth inning man. Um, and a role Chapman in the playoffs. And these last couple of years have proven that he he doesn't entirely deserve to be that or his his he's a little bit more shaky than he's been. And we have assistance to kind of mix and match and figure out where the match uh, where the other matchups might work. Bring him in to face a, a lefty with the bases loaded in the seventh inning to me is not a bad decision. Um, or with runners on or whatever, like he's still, uh, he's still an overpowering presence. He's still going to intimidate a lineup and getting out of a jam in the seventh or eighth is more valuable than bringing in somebody to pitch a clean ninth. If you already have the lead or you've managed to, to salvage a tie at that point by not giving up runs in the previous inning. So there's gotta be more creativity here, especially with the injuries, um, and th- that's where it falls on the manager. Like, yes, every bull, you're not going to make every correct bullpen decision, but you need to be able to properly work with what you have and understand who you're managing and who you're putting into certain spots. Because again, doesn't not really matching up. You put unnecessary strain on the team last night by thinking Sal Romano is going to do anything of note. Um, and that's going to be the concern. Like, this is where this is where everyone's concerned with Aaron Boone is. Can he make the right instinctual decision in a big spot? Probably not. Probably like a 41% chance he does that. And that's not good enough. Aaron Boone's bullpen management makes my head as swollen as Nicki Minaj's friends' cousins' balls. <laughs> I, it also just feels like our it feels like every rival we've ever had has gotten away with a full season recently where every decision the manager makes is correct, whether it's intelligent or not. It would just be nice for Boone to get on one of those season-long lucky heaters. Yeah. But unfortunately, 
it, it doesn't happen. So before we sign off, let's let's talk a little bit about guys whose careers feel like they've been broken this year. Um, you've got a successful list of these floating around the internet now, so I'm going to make you defend them. I, I feel like I agree with that. Obviously, you know, it's hard for me. I can't disagree with anybody that you singled out on the list. Davey Garcia is irreparably busted. Luis Heal, the, the minor league uh, walk stuff has been a bugaboo from the beginning. He definitely is not a zero ERA true talent starter, mm-hmm. but again, you know, he's their bet. He was the best pitcher for three consecutive starts was sent down to the minors for three weeks, came back up and lost the mojo he had when he was here. That's a fact fact remains. That is true. Glaber Torres has obviously busted and Luke Voigt, when you start him, good things happen. When you bench him, bad things happen. Davey Garcia, though, to me, is still the most egregious example of this just because people are being like mums the word around Davey, but people are pretty confident that the team made a tweak to him this offseason to increase velocity that has thrown off everything about what he does. I agree with much of what Matt Blake has accomplished. You look at the guys, even the reclamation yeah. projects midseason that he's been able to turn around like Clay Holmes and like all the starters who he taught a change up to and like what he did with Jameson Tyone. Clearly, there's something there, but whatever they did, whether it came from Blake or whether it came from somebody else, to Davey Garcia has messed entirely with what he is as a pitcher. Not everybody needs high velo to work. It's not like he showed us he was infallible at the end of 2020, he was actually quite bad when the season wrapped. That start at Fenway blew his ERA up to 4.98. So it's not like we're talking about somebody who was perfect and couldn't handle a little bit of tweaking. But then again, if you're trying to coax Max Velo out of Davy Garcia, then you've lost the plot a little bit. So he is, of those players, the most lost. But you've certainly ended up with a situation where they they tried to shop Luke Voigt at the deadline. He started for two weeks and proved they shouldn't have done that. And then he got benched. And now he looks again like a guy who they're going to have to convince someone to take him if they want someone to pay full price for him. The better solution is keeping him. The better solution is David Garcia being good. But you're certainly talking about two players who are, are less valuable than they were in uh, both mid-August and at the end of 2020. And that's thanks to the way that the Yankees have handled them. Yeah, and I think that uh, partial. I think that obviously bad decisions, mostly all around here. Um, the biggest thing that pops out to me is the human element of it. Look at Davy Garcia. Davy Garcia, like you said, wasn't not not an infallible pitcher by any means, but came up in 2020, stopped the bleeding for us, pitched in very tough spots, largely got the job done, had like one and a half not great starts out of those six, and then they reward him by making him an opener in a stupid playoff game that in a, in a plan that completely backfired because they thought Jay Happ was going to be able to handle the raise. Um, and then they reward him again by sticking with Domingo Herman, who was, who was in the midst of who, who in the midst, he didn't pitch since September, 2019 because of domestic abuse allegations. So what message does that send to a young up and coming player who got the job done at the major league level for the most part, and had a promising trajectory, um, not saying he's going to be the next Pedro Martinez, but certainly would provide the Yankees rotation with some length. And you'd stash him in the minors, you'd bring him back to the middle of Pennsylvania, and you go with the guy who cost you a playoff, potentially cost you a playoff run in 2019 because of shitty behavior, um, and then give Davey two bullshit chances to kind of make up for it after ping-ponging him between AAA this year. Uh, so how do you think that that, affects the mental development of a young player. And you want to talk about the same thing for Glaber Torres and Luke Voigt I'm, and Luis. I'm right here for all these guys. Luis Heal comes in three straight, three straight uh, scoreless 
uh, appearances in his first three MLB appearances. That's made MLB history. That made Yankees history. Not saying this guy's going to be the savior of the rotation, but you roll with the hot hand here, Yankees. When you, especially when you have injuries in the in in the pitching staff as a whole. Forget about the starting rotation. Bring in heel for multi multi inning relief. It doesn't matter. Yankees were on a blackjack heater. They took their chips off the table and they just said, "Fuck it, let's put it on number twenty five on roulette and see what happens." Piss it all away. Heel comes back seven walks and three and a third. You ask him to stop the bleeding on a four game losing streak against the hottest offensive team in the AL. Like, don't know what don't know what that logic is after three weeks of putting him back in the minors. Then you talk about Glaber, like we just like we just said before, uh, talking shit about him in the offseason, not giving him votes of confidence, then keeping him at shortstop when he shouldn't have been there. Um and Luke Voigt, of course, like no contingency plan for after uh, acquiring Rizzo. Great move. No one's going to argue with that, but no plan in the event Luke Voigt is healthy for the rest of the stretch. Um, and then is healthy for the stretch when Rizzo is out with COVID absolutely dominates when win, wins AL player of the week and then starts eight of the next 18 games uh, after winning AL player of the week. Sending the just sending the wrong messages in every corner uh, on top of just making the wrong personnel decisions, and that's where you end up with these guys. Heel not ruined, obviously. He's got a long future of, uh, ahead of him, but the Yankees stopped the hot streak in its tracks for reasons we'll never understand. St- another thing I need an explanation on: Voight, same type deal. Like d- he is not ruined by any means, but like you stopped the hot streak in its tracks for really no reason and Anthony Rizzo could have used a lot of days off in between where they were knocking void around between the bench and pinch hitting and like starting at DH like Anthony Rizzo was awful after COVID clearly needed a a little bit more rest in between his defense was not on he was lost at the plate and instead of making the right decision and going oh we have another first baseman who's totally capable of carrying the lineup they don't do that make the Glaber, disor- uh, Glaber Torres decision too late. And uh, Davey Garcia is so far in the past now that I think most Yankee fans have forgot about him. But yeah, all just, this is where we have a problem with the, this has nothing to do with analytics, but this is where, why when we talk about analytics, we're saying, well, the Yankees are just eliminating the human element from the game because they're not rewarding guys who, who deserve to be rewarded after good play. And then they're, you know, keeping Glaber at shortstop uh, on the surface, rewarding him for not playing well on the surface, rewarding Domingo Herman for what one. Okay. Season after beating his girlfriend in public and getting in trouble hmm. for it. Just insane. Sorry, shit. I, I, I mean, no, it, it is laughable because it's terrible. It, it's just bad management all around. It sends the wrong message to the people in the organization who are doing right by them. And that's how you create problems with chemistry, with, with rhythms and, and all that. So yeah, you have to look at these guys and say the Yankees did play a role in ruining them in the short term or in the long term because they had them playing well, and now they don't have them particularly playing well, or they're just not playing at all. So I'd like an explanation just at one at, at some point. I just want one. Always the smartest guys in the room. Uh, Davey Garcia gets one inning to prove his medal in the playoffs last year, gives up a home run, gets yanked. Glaber Torres clearly doesn't respond to negativity and Cashman drops it on him anyway. Aaron Boone's a player's manager, and yet somehow Luis Seal's getting yo-yoed between AAA and the bigs. And again, Domingo Herman, the man who derailed the 2019 season with an egregious act of domestic violence in public. Doesn't matter if it's in public or private, but it was in public. It was incredibly embarrassing and deflating for the organization just before a playoff run to lose crucial innings out of the rotation and out of the pen is one of the only people who's getting rewarded. Make it make sense. Again, all we want is an explanation. 
That is it for this edition of the Inks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer that. Crucial stretch for the Yankees. 10-0 would be unbelievable. We don't expect it. There will be slip-ups at some point. The Cleveland Indians can't hit, but they're a 500 team. They're not that terrible. But rack up the wins when you can because this does not get easier, folks. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. Sorry for yelling a lot today, guys, but there's just even even when things are looking good, you still have you're still scratching your head at stuff. That's the story of the 2021 Yankees. Um, two and oh in these first two games. Ten game stretch, gotta go nine and one. You sweep the O's. We're in a good spot then we don't have to complain as much. Then we can then we can maybe think and convince ourselves we can control our destiny against the Red Sox and the Jays. In the meantime, head on over to yanksgoyard.com. Plenty of content there for you. Talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at YanksGoYardFS. Enjoy your Wednesday, everyone. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Hopefully, we're discussing a series. Yes, we will, and hopefully we are. See you then. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know. A driveway basketball hoop, including the base, weighs around 400 pounds. Something you probably do know. There's a windstorm coming. Something you probably don't know. A basketball hoop tipping over can poke a hole in a car roof like a can opener. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.